Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Meredith Bell. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Meredith, thank you for giving us some time. How are you? I am excellent, Tom. It's great to be here with you. I'm excited about our conversation. Yeah, and we've had quite a few good conversations this past year, and um, I want to bring that into play as we talk today. But, you know, I know you much better than I did a couple of months ago, but our but our audience doesn't, so I, at least many of them probably don't, but here's what we go. I'm going to introduce you, Meredith, and tell them a little bit about you. Then we'll get into you as a businesswoman and running your company, okay? Sounds great. Meredith has been an entrepreneur since 1982, and she's an expert in helping companies develop the people side of the business. Very important. Meredith's a co-founder and president of Performance Support System, a global software company, which is in Virginia. Their award-winning assessment and development tools have been used by all types of organizations to help leaders and team members become more effective performers. Boy, is that as important today than ever before, huh, Meredith? Absolutely. The clients that Meredith have worked with have been with her for 20 years or longer. She builds great relationships with these people. They trust her. They know where they like her. But Meredith is much more than a business owner and leader. She's a co-author and an author of two books published uh, this year, 2020. Uh, We know what you've been doing during COVID, huh? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Her her solo book, Strong for the Performance, Create a Culture with Learning and Development Programs That Stick, come out in March, came out in March, rather. And today, we'll be discussing her new book, Connect with your team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills, which she co-authored with Denny Coates, her business partner of 30 years. And I I have read that book, uh, and uh, it's a really good book. And, uh, you know, my world is all based on communication. We, I think everybody's world is based on communication, but that's a great book, a real good book. Um, And we'll come back to that, Meredith, but I do want to ask you, you run a company. You've run a company for many years. Tell us a little bit of how you got started in your profession. You know, Tom, my story is one that should be encouraging to anyone who wants to start a business and isn't sure if they can do it. <laughs> because my first career was being a teacher, an elementary teacher. And I quickly found, even though that had been what I had wanted to do as my career, I found after a few years, I got kind of bored with the repetition of lesson plans. And so I got my master's in 
in education and moved into central office, you know, administration kinds of positions. And after, gosh, three different school systems, I realized, you know, I don't do bureaucracy very well and I don't do politics very well. So the one thing I knew that I loved, though, was working with teachers, especially in the area of helping them communicate better with their students, with other teachers. And so I just decided I was so unhappy with the situation I was in that I decided to just launch my own company. I had never had a single class in business. And 1982 was way before the internet. So I had to rely on my own confidence in my ability to learn and then studying like crazy books, audios, whatever I could find that would be helpful for me and decided to help businesses improve the way they interact with each other. And that has been my passion all these years because I see the pain that is created by people not communicating well. It's been a driving force for me, whether it's helping, you know, the leaders of a company interact better with their employees or people on a team playing more nicely together or how they treat their customers. All of that is related to, you know, these basic communication skills that aren't taught in our schools. And so people come equipped ill-equipped most of the time based on what they learned at home and what they've just picked up along the way. And so today I'm as excited as I've ever been after all these years of working in this area because human beings are eternally fascinating, right? They're never totally predictable. There's always some interesting challenge, whether it's the elevate. evolution of a new technology or something else. But what happened is we kind of evolved from, uh, I say we, because Denny Coates was actually a solopreneur, just like I was, a solo consultant working with businesses. We met in 1990, started collaborating on some projects around leadership development and communication and team building, and decided that we were compatible enough to get shared office space, and then put our two businesses together. And at the time we did that, we brought in a third partner, who Paula, who managed all of our legal, financial, operational aspects of the business. And so the three of us have now worked together for 30 years. It's an amazing uh, partnership. But another twist in our evolution came in the early 90s when we were doing work with clients And we wanted to do what was then a pretty new process called 360-degree feedback, helping managers find out what their boss, peers, and direct reports thought about their performance and giving them input in an automated way. And the products that were out at that time were either expensive and or rigid, meaning you couldn't customize them in any way. And we had a wide range of of clients from federal government to local government to corporate, and one size did not fit all. So we decided to hire a developer, create our own, which we did, and we made it so customizable, it could be used for lots of different surveys. And so we made another major pivot 
from being consultants to being a software company with zero experience in that, but we figured it out. So there's the thread here, right? Is taking a risk, not necessarily knowing what all the steps are, but trusting that you can learn along the way because you've got some, you know, basic capabilities that can be put to use to make that particular endeavor a success. You know, that's what we've been doing all these years. What's interesting about your story is I saw a couple of things here that uh, now you're, you have history in your story where in 1982, you didn't have history for Mm -hmm. the business, but a, you gathered people with different talents. It's almost like the Beatles did. Uh Uh-huh. Believe it or not, you've got different talents that just kind of the chemistry work there. You obviously all know how to handle people because you have clients that keep coming back to you all the time. I mean, talk about keeping the same clients. Uh, a lot easier to keep clients with, uh, or than get new clients, but they come back. So you're doing something on a communicative basis. And the third thing is you keep innovating your product line. I like the the idea that you talk about your communication and your lessons and your procedures so that it sticks for the employer and the employee. I like that term, that it sticks because businesses put so much money into this area but people either don't have to know how to do it. They don't use it. It's hard to do. They forget about, you know, the things that we talk about in your book, you know, um, it's very interesting. So that's my question to you. You went through different stages. So it, do you think it was a conscious thing or just so kind of happened in some of the stages when you made these decisions? Oh, they were conscious decisions. They were. That we had made, um, you know, the thing that was not guaranteed, of course, was would we be successful? Would I be successful when I left education to start my own business? I think a key part of it, Tom, just as we're talking, that I think was so critical for me was never considering that it would not work. It was just a matter of belief in my abilities, belief in the need that existed, and learning how to market myself. You know, that was where the how-tos came in. How do you, uh, you know, approach? What's the best way to approach? And I found for me, speaking to groups was a great marketing tool because teaching was what I was comfortable with anyway. So uh, that was a, a very conscious decision on my part. But, you know, in business, we have to experiment with things too. You know, we can have an idea of where we want to go And then we just have to try things. And that's what we did. There were things that, you know, we had some direct mail campaigns that didn't pan out. We didn't do them right. And it cost us money. Uh, But we learned from those. And so it's a matter of identifying very clearly what you want to do. And we had made that conscious choice also about being a software company. We had reached the point where we had done the consulting. That was you know, satisfying to a certain degree, but we didn't enjoy the travel and we wanted to have a greater impact. And we thought if we had a tool that would allow us to scale and reach more organizations than just, you know, our, you know, time being spent conducting specific programs, you know, for a limited number of people. But let me ask you this because you touched on it, but the question would be, in your mind, 
what do you believe makes some people successful in what they do and others struggle? You know, one thing is how you approach other people. Um, you know, are, is it more of a transactional attitude, like let me get this sale versus seeing the value of investing in relationships? And Tom, you know, I think that's where you and I clicked so instantly when we talked, because that's a shared value. The idea that we look at people, how can I be of service to this individual? Not what can they do for me? And so I think the attitude that we have about others related to our business is very important. If we feel desperate for, you know, getting the cash in and people pick that up and it tends to repel folks from us rather than attracting them. Whereas if they sense that we really care, we're genuinely interested in what can I do to serve this person, uh, it, it just opens the door to them, you know, receiving your uh, desire to be of help to them and wanting to reciprocate because there's a difference between givers and takers. Givers, if somebody does something for them, they can't stand not to reciprocate in some way, right? right, right. It's like it's built in. So I think that's a key element of success is what's your overall attitude about people and whether it's potential partners, potential clients, or just an influencer that you would like to interact with. And I see people violate this, you know, on LinkedIn all the time where they'll ask to connect and then they immediately launch into trying to sell me something mm -hmm. without taking the time to find out who I am and, you know, what's important to me. And that just is a huge difference. It's recognizing, I think, the need in business to invest time and effort into forming relationships where you look at what can I do for this other person before asking for anything else. It's, it is true. And I would say this to the audience. If you're ever down and you got the mopies, Call Meredith. She'll get you so high on life in about thirty <laughs> seconds. Uh, you know, I always, I always enjoy talking to you, Meredith, because all I, it's just uh, amazing your attitude, and 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 I agree with you. That's one of the big things, the elements of your life that may have made you very successful. So I'm going to ask you this question, though. What I think I know the answer from you, but what makes you optimistic about the future of your industry? Because human beings, from, you know, looking back years and years, thousands of years probably, have always struggled with how to connect with each other effectively. And so the people side of a business, this whole thing of communications, is never going away. You know, from our experience with surveys our clients have done around employee engagement, um, you know, organizational effectiveness, communication always comes up as one of the top issues, if not the number one issue, whether it's the top not communicating with the, you know, line workers or across departments, it doesn't matter. There is always going to be a need for people to learn how to 
interact effectively to get the work done. Yeah. There's always going to that, that human element of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing is, it's very really interesting about your product and your philosophy is you build things so that it makes people, it, it's easy for them to use and implement rather than uh, some of the things I've seen over the years of my 50 years in practice are so complicated. And, you know, after three pages, you say, forget it, I can't do it. Your your stuff is very good. It's very earthy. It's very human being stuff, you know, um, which is, is well-written and well-communicated. As a businesswoman, um, Meredith, what do you think are the key issues in your business that you have to stay up on? Um, I think a key thing is recognizing the technologies that are out there um, and other things that evolve so that our message is compelling for today's buyers. You know, we can't use the same old, I say old, but, you know, like uh, some direct marketing pieces or emails or websites you know, you have to be willing to examine what do we need to change? How do we need to upgrade, update this so that it speaks to people today? And I think that that is an ever evolving thing. You know, years ago, there were no smartphones. You know, people weren't scrolling through messages. You weren't competing as much with their attention as you are today for other things. So I think that's a a really big uh, piece is looking at what is it, how do we need to communicate? Where do we need to be in terms of websites or communities or conferences? Where do we need to show up where uh, we'll find the people who can say yes to what we have to offer? You know, this show is really about uh, exchanging strategies and sharing ideas, just like that question that I asked you about what do you need to stay up on? Um, I meet a lot of business owners who are stuck in their four walls in their office and don't realize that you're forever, either you're going to grow one way or the other, or you're not. And I have found that uh, collaborating with people around the country, like we do, you know, you've introduced me to different people. I've introduced you. I get so many different ideas of growth and I learn about them. Um, and one of the things I would suggest that business people do is get out of the office and start building uh, relationships with people in all sorts of businesses, because you create great ideas from that, from those discussions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Tom, with the pandemic, and us having to not be in social situations, I have still, you know, met so many great people, yourself included, uh, you know, by either phone or or Zoom or other types of online meeting platforms. You can develop some really good relationships, uh, you know, virtually as well. You don't have to necessarily invest money to go travel to uh, conferences, but I think the key is to recognize the need to continuously expand your network and also expand yourself. And you and I have this in common. We've both been in business a long time, and yet I am constantly reading. I'm constantly, you know, watching videos or getting involved in conversations, mastermind groups that make me stretch. 
out of my comfort zone, because I think that's another key issue to, um, you know, that's really important for a business owner to look at. We can't afford to get comfortable with how we do anything. You know, we have to be open to change to another point of view. And that has been a, an important evolution for me, especially I'll give you an example because others may see this too, because 30 years is a long time to work with business partners. And in the early days, Denny had a PhD in English. He's an excellent writer. I was not such a good writer back then. And I would tend to take personally when he would point out things in something I'd written that uh, could be improved. And that was a personal growth opportunity for me. And I realized I was letting my ego get in the way. I would tend to want to jump in and justify and explain why I had it this way. When in fact, it was really what he was suggesting was simply to make it better, right? It wasn't to criticize me. But I think over time, my self-esteem has strengthened. And now (laughs) you would laugh if you watched us critique each other's writing, because it's not that we're merciless. It's just that we're very direct. You know, you got to take out this paragraph or that sentence doesn't work. Or this is, And so we have this rhythm now that's very comfortable because neither of us has our egos in the middle. We recognize we are in this to help make the, whatever it is that's being written more effective and communicate more clearly. So it's... Um, that, I think, is an important thing when any two people are trying to work together, whether it's an official business partner or even your spouse, that when somebody brings up um, input that could be perceived as criticism, instead to welcome it as and be neutral about it, just being information that may be helpful for me and being more effective in whatever it is that I'm working on. My, uh, you're absolutely right. My wife is my proofreader. She was in publishing for many years and she's got that eye that she could look at something I wrote and she, she looks at me and says, with computers and all the software you have, I can't believe you make the kind of mistakes you make. I said, but I'm the broad, I brought, I do this broad paint thing. So don't worry about it, but I have no ego, but I get more done because I depend on her and it's, it works very well for me. Um, and I get that. Um, well, here's my last business question for you. And then we're going to go on to the topics of your business. But my uh, Meredith, you are really good in sharing on LinkedIn. You're on all the time. You write books. You run a business. How do you how do you and do you find time for leisure time, downtime? How are you doing that? Yes, I do. And, um, but, you know, for many years, Tom, I was more of a workaholic. It was hard for me to take time off. And even now my husband would say, ah, you still have that tendency. And, but part of it is because I love what I do. Yeah. And so, um, but he and I discovered about 20 years ago, a shared interest that involves getting out with nature and observing birds. And so we've become avid bird watchers. I'm very involved in our state birding organization. I organize field trips and I've done that for the past 10 years. And so for me, that's fun. I'm still using some of my business skills and the way I try to make it a good experience for participants or the way I 
organize it. But for me, it's still fun. And us getting out and just being in nature where it's quiet, we don't have the phones on, and just paying attention and noticing the beauty of the birds, the beauty of the, you know, the scenery, and just appreciating and getting in touch with the moment. I think it has been just really a, a wonderful um, uh, experience for me. And now, you know, it's taking a few days or a week to go someplace, and we don't even have to go that far. It's just getting away and taking a mental break. It's it it really is true that getting away for a while helps you come back refreshed. Um, if you don't feel like you can take the time to do that. You have to just say, you know what, I'm going to do this for me. And I'm lucky because I do have two business partners and the, and Paula is the one who fills in and, you know, covers things when I'm gone. And I just have such confidence in her. I can be gone and feel very comfortable about, you know, not having to check my phone or not having to check in to see how things are going. Cause if some emergency came up, she would let me know. You know, in my in my book, I, I talk about it because uh, the last 40 years of my practice, I only worked 80 days a year, but, but that wasn't so significant as the ideas that I thought of maybe six, seven months ago when I took time off, all of a sudden they blossomed into something that was more than an idea. Mm-hmm. So you need, you need that downtime for creativity and and just to refresh. Yeah, and I stress that all the time. I, people, I, I see them working all the time, and I tell them you don't have to do that. But uh, I I ask you that because you you are so active, but yet you've learned how to create free time for yourself and enjoy it, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the author of two books, mm-hmm. and both good books. And I want to talk a little bit about. Um, the connect with your team, mastering the top 10 communication skills, which I thought was fantastic. But don't let me forget to bring up, and if I do, you bring it up, Meredith, the Listen Like a Pro ebook that you have. That oh, I, yes. You're mm-hmm. offering that for free to people? Yes. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the, the show, we'll we'll get the uh, how they can get that. But let's talk about that book. Tell me about the uh, how you started thinking about putting that together. Well, Denny and I have created a lot of content over the years. We both had blogs um, and, you know, publishing articles on LinkedIn and just our work as consultants and what we were teaching people and then what we built into our software products, which contain some of the same content around communication skills. We just felt like we wanted to capture what we've learned over the years into a book that could then be used and benefit and be of benefit to more and more people. And so that's what went into it. And we had a discussion about, all right, of all the communication skills, which ones have we seen over the years are the most critical to success in um, business interactions. And so that's how we settled on those 10. We, you know, went back and forth for a while, but felt like those 10 were the uh, most essential ones that if people could concentrate on making improvements, that 
that it could really help them. And one of the things that I think is a real strength of our book is how practical it is. You know, we're, it's not based on, you know, academic uh, research. It's, it's very conversational. It's based on real world experience. We tell some, I think, interesting uh, stories in there, but also Denny did a great job. He created these sample dialogues that illustrated how two people could be interacting and someone, you know, perform the role of a good listener or perform the role of giving someone constructive feedback in an appropriate way. You know, and so we had a lot of passion around the topics. Yeah. When you read the book, I really suggest you get this book because it's, it's, it's so easy to understand and you get, you get the aha right away. In other words, I like the little one that says it's simple. Thank you. In quote, mm-hmm. thank you. And then I like the other one says appreciating appreciation. And, you know, human nature is, yeah, I did a good job. He, but he never said anything or she never said anything. Mm-hmm. Well, gee whiz, Meredith, thanks for doing this job. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you putting some time. Wow. Right. And, and you know, Tom, I'd like to give you an example that's um, not in that book. But it it illustrates how everybody needs appreciation. It's one of my personal passions because so many people are, like you just said, are are hungry for that and to not get acknowledged. I was at a conference where I had been a member for a number of years. It was for business owners around um, marketing. And Bill Glazer was the president at that time. And he was the one that was always the lead guy, you know, uh, sort of the um, master of ceremonies and made presentations. He or this was his gig, right? And so whenever I went to those, I made a point of going up to him and complimenting him on very sincerely on some on a speaker I had really enjoyed or the way he had structured certain activities. And I remember one time that I did that. Now, this is a man that's a multimillionaire many times over you wouldn't think he would need affirmation, right? But um, when I went up to him this one particular time and was telling him this, he said to me, Meredith, could you call me every day and tell me something nice? <laughs> he said, it, it, "He said you're just so good at giving me positive feedback. And I just really appreciate that. And it, it hit me at that moment because my whole purpose in doing that was obviously not to butter him up, but simply to recognize we all need this. And he, his response just reinforced to me that I'm right, that everybody needs this positive recognition. Anybody we interact with, even at the grocery store, if somebody has done a really good job, you know, of getting my groceries bagged fast, I look at them when they hand me the receipt and I say, thank you for being so efficient. I really appreciate it. You know, my, um, and you're totally right. And, and, you know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a king in, in, in his world. Uh, So many good products he's got out there. My, um, my wife has always asked me, you always talk to the waiters when they, you know, the kids uh, will go up to Newport, Rhode Island or something and you'll talk to them and ask them questions and nice questions. And I said, yeah, because you never know uh, saying something nice to someone, how it's going to change their life or boost their ego or make them feel better, which could be the, the springboard to something positive in their life. 
And I think if we all look back and some of the negative things we were going through, there was some little springboard that got us through it. And it could have been just somebody nice to us. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know you well enough to know you're always nice to everybody. And reading this book, I, I just heard you talking to me as I was reading the book. But here's a good question, because you're such a pro at this. Why is communication skills why are they so hard and why are hard why are the skills hard skills and not soft skills well you know i that's a great um question because a lot of times you know hard charging business leaders will say oh soft skills we don't need that uh, but they don't communicate very well so <laughs> to me they're not soft at all they're really at the core of connecting with another human being And so they're hard because we haven't learned them, you know, to do it well, most of the time, if you think about most listeners, they're waiting for their turn to talk or that worse, they're interrupting you. And so it listening well, is one of those skills that's difficult, uh, because we already have hard wiring, physical wiring in our brains for doing things a certain way. And it's, It's a hard skill because we have to practice a new way of doing something over and over and over again before it takes over that old way that we were doing it that wasn't very effective. Just think about in, in, um, you know, golf, tennis, uh, where you're swinging, you know, a club or a bat and uh, you're trying to learn a new way to do it. Well, the old way is competing with that new way. And you have to keep practicing over and over again and getting feedback along the way from somebody else that's observing you to help you get better. And it's really the same way with these communication skills. It's not an easy thing to stop interrupting people, for example. No, I had a partner that would interrupt the client when we would talk and never let the client. I finally had to take him aside and say, we hear, you know, uh, we're hearing all about you, but the client's trying to say something. We have no idea what he's trying to say because you keep talking. And mm-hmm. it is a, I couldn't stop him. I had to actually stop bringing him into my meetings with me. It's very difficult. So what's required to master a skill, Meredith? Well, for one thing is learning the right way to do it so that you recognize, oh, what I'm doing is not working well. and then practicing over and over and over again to get that new wiring in place. It's sort of like going from a dirt road, Tom, to a superhighway, right? You don't build a superhighway overnight. You don't build a new pathway in your brain for listening better or, you know, stop interrupting or or whatever it is that we're doing that's our our regular behavior. And so I I say a dirt road or a if you've ever been on a dirt road or a gravel road, you know that it's a bumpy ride. And that's how it is when we're trying to change a behavior. It's um, it's awkward at first. And sometimes we actually get worse before we get better because the old way is competing with the new way. And it's like, which one's going to win? And we're having to concentrate so hard. So getting the practice and having support is really important. And I'll give you a personal example with Denny, because Denny used to interrupt Paula and me. And this is many years ago. Now we interrupt each other and catch each other and use the same support system 
because we get excited, you know, talking about ideas. But here's what Paula and I did to support Denny in his desire to quit interrupting. So this may be of use to some of your listeners. We found two things. One was if we were in an in-person meeting with him, we would simply hold up our hand like, you, you know, to tell somebody to stop doing something. And just holding up our hand was the signal to him, a reminder, oh, I'm interrupting. So we didn't even have to say anything. He would catch himself and let us finish. But the other thing we did is we, um, and we cleared this with him first, of course, to get his buy-in to letting us use these signals with him. If he started to jump in and finish our sentence, we would simply say, I'm not done yet, or please let me finish. And we still use that today with each other because one of us will think of something and we're afraid of forgetting it. And, and, the, and the other one will say, wait, I wasn't finished. And we don't take it personally. We just go, oh, yeah, thank you for the reminder. I need to sit here and make a note of it if I don't want to forget it and then bring it up in a, in a few minutes. So it's recognizing that, you know, none of us is perfect. We can all stand to improve. So seeking out from others would you please help me with this? I'm trying to become a better listener. If you, if you find me interrupting, you know, just say, let me finish. And of course, the tone of voice you use is very important too, Tom. You can't say, would you please let me finish, right? Right. Um, you yeah. have to say it with a, the, the supportive tone that will be beneficial to this person. So I think that's a key element as well. Seeking help, getting support, Having someone that you can talk to when you have setbacks or disappointments, so they encourage you. That's why 12-step programs, Weight Watchers groups, you know, those all rely on getting support from other people as we're trying to adopt new, better ways of doing things. Yeah. So I think those are really important. Yeah. I learned to, to uh, and it stuck with me, not to say anything for about two seconds when someone finished the sentence. Um, sometimes that's hard because I have the answer that I want to spew out. <laughs> uh -huh. me that, you know, and, se and secondly, in my generation, my mother taught me I'm not finished yet. <laughs> I'm not finished yet. So, um, um, so in any event, I get that very much. And, and again, the feedback, uh, doing it graciously is key, isn't it? Yes, that's really all about someone giving you feedback to thank them. You know, we're so used to defending and justifying, explaining the reason why we did something. In other words, trying to prove a right that if we take a different approach, we can really disarm people. If we listen with an open mind and recognize, hey, they're trying to help me. It took some courage for them to bring this up to me. Um, it's creating a problem for them. What can I learn from this? To have a sort of a humble mindset so that when they start bringing it up, we can say, well, tell me more about that because I didn't realize I was doing that. And then you know, to thank them and apologize. We often hold off apologizing to people because we think it'll make us look weak or make us look bad. It's just the opposite. People will respect you more when you own up to being wrong than if you are defending yourself because you're going to push them away. The goal is, you know, create a stronger bond with the people who are important to you, whether it's someone you work with, someone you live with, what can you do to encourage them 
to be truthful with you. And so being gracious in how you receive their input, even if it's positive, you know, to say, well, thank you. I really appreciate you noticing that as opposed to, oh, it was nothing or brushing it off because that's not respecting their perspective. Well, there's a lot of uh, first marriages that went down the tube because of communication. And that is one area that obviously may have caused many problems mm-hmm. uh, listening and responding. And, you know, I, uh, I, I have a business group that we've been together a long time and we did a course that I instructed from, a, a, I think a good friend of mine, Bruce Clinton gave me the book core values and we did it for six weeks on zoom during uh, COVID. And it was really talking about values. Well, as I was reading this, your book, and I couldn't help but to think, Meredith, all those smaller companies that where the boss knows, you know, we're not communicating here. We're having a difficult time. My suggestion is to buy the book and form a group and once a week cover a chapter and talk about it for an hour. I think they would learn an awful lot. Mm-hmm. They would. And you know what's so interesting, Tom, is Denny has just finished and it's available now, a a very short book that's sort of a companion to this called Peer Coaching Made Simple, where people could pair up with each other as they're studying that book to improve a particular skill. And he gives some very easy to follow guidelines on what can you do to help, you know, support a person while holding them accountable? And how do you apply some of those skills like listening to a, a coaching setting where you're trying to be a support person to somebody that's looking to make changes. You know, it's, it's so important, especially even a small company where you people mm-hmm. talk and uh, communication is a key thing and it's, it's never ending on learning. Uh, Meredith in the show notes, if you would send to me that how they could get that book also. Oh, sure. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. link up to the website or whatever it takes to get there. And um, so, but I, I, I'm we're a little bit out of time, but I want to close out by really saying that I've read Meredith's books. Sure. Her company is, I mean, it stands out on its own repeated customers. They've been around 30, 40 years, whatever. Meredith is just fun to work with and talk to and all their stuff is quality. I would, check Meredith's website out. And uh, Meredith, uh, let's talk about that ebook before we leave. Yes. Well, if anyone anyone is interested in learning how to become a better listener, I can promise you the people in your life will thank you. If you do make an effort to improve, it's called Listen Like a Pro. And it's available for free on our website, which is Grow Strong Leaders dot com slash free f-r-e-e and you can download that and read it it's it's adapted from the chapter in our book around listening and we really put a lot of thought and effort into that so there's lots of practical suggestions that can help you be more effective in your work and in at home and and we'll also put in the two books that meredith has published and again, I, I've spent a lot of time with Connect Your Team. I just think it's a wonderful uh, piece of product. It really is, and it meant a lot to me. Meredith, as always, you are like the pro. You were such great to interview. Um, 
and I want to thank you. Is there anything else you would like to bring up that we haven't talked about? Um, I think uh, one of the, the underlying principles that we've always operated by is being of service first before asking for anything. I mentioned that uh, earlier, but just looking for ways that you can give to others, it will always come back to you often in ways you didn't even expect. And I know you live by that because I know you well enough to know that that is a meaningful thing for you. Uh, and I appreciate it. Uh, Meredith, thank you. It, you did a great job. I will have everything in the show notes, folks, and you can get anything you want and, and get in touch with Meredith. Meredith, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, Tom, it was my pleasure. I, I love talking to you. So this was just great fun. Thank you very much. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner, or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.